Good morning, everybody. So the course of Lent, I have been trying to address the question of who is Jesus? Uh, I guess in a certain sense, though, more specifically, who is Jesus to me? Or why do I believe in Jesus Christ? And today's gospel, at least for myself, presents one of the main reasons that I believe in Jesus and I believe in the importance and validity of Christ's message. Quite simply put, we see in the gospel, Jesus Christ is not interested or willing to publicly shame anyone for their sins or their mistakes. Under no circumstances is Jesus willing to take the individual, the sinner, and put them up to be exposed and to be shamed and to be ridiculed. This is so crucial, I think, sort of as you compare the example of Christ and the, the message or the practice that flows from his being with a number of other religions, but more importantly, I think, from what we witness in our secular culture. So often people say, well, I'm going to reject Christianity because it's too judgmental. I'm going to reject Christianity because it's too rule-centered. And so I'm going to be a pure secularist, just adhering to some personal moral code and living and thriving in the world. But the truth is we know that our secular society thrives on making a spectacle of people and their sin and setting them up to be shamed and to be ridiculed publicly. Several years ago, there was a book published by an English author named John Ronson. And the book is called, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. And what it does is it looks at a number of different examples of individuals, contemporary examples, who have been shamed publicly for their sins or their perceived wrongdoings. It talks about how this reality of shaming people, of making scapegoats, is something that's existed throughout history and in almost every culture. But what makes us different is the reality of social media, Facebook, and Twitter, where someone who you do not know can be put up and destroyed, have their lives ruined and publicly shamed as a result of this mob mentality searching for blood. In the book, he gives a number of examples, but one that really stands out is one that you may sort of remember, a woman named Justine Sacco, who worked uh, at a company, sort of a tech company, who was taking a trip to Africa. Before she left on the plane, she put a tweet out there. Certainly, the tweet was imprudent, and maybe she shouldn't have written it, but it wasn't anything malicious. It wasn't anything hateful. By the time she landed in Africa, nine or ten hours later, the tweet had gone viral. And there were people literally calling for this woman's head, ridiculing her, mocking her, shaming her, wanting to destroy her. And so when she left and she saw her Twitter feed and her Facebook messages and her phone calls, she realized something went wrong. As a result of this, she lost her job, she lost a lot of her friends, she lost her existence as she knew it, all because of that mob mentality of a decision to destroy and shame this woman for one off-handed tweet. 
Why is it so easy for us as humans to shame other people, particularly on social media? And I think the real reason is this. 99% of the time, those who engage in such public shaming campaigns do not know the individual personally that is being shamed. It's an anonymous person. It's a political figure. It's a person in Hollywood. It's someone they've never heard of. And so if you don't know the person, if you've never engaged with them on an individual level, they really, in a certain sense, aren't even people. They're like characters in a book. They're abstract realities. It's easy to destroy them, easy to set them up in order to tear them down, easy to point at them and destroy them in order to make ourselves feel better in our shameless virtue signaling and hypocrisy. But the truth is, this not seeing others as a person, not coming to know them as individuals, is something that Jesus never does. His being, his example, is the antithesis to this sort of behavior. Jesus never publicly shames anyone. In fact, the real reason is, is because he always sees them as persons, as individuals in their totality of their being. And so we see it in today's gospel. Here this wo is a woman who she sinned. She was caught in adultery. Now the question is, what about the man? Why are they ignoring him? Well, that's for a different homily. But they're pointing out this woman, and they are bringing her in order to shame her and really ultimately to trap Jesus. And Jesus doesn't take the bait, and his response to them makes them all disperse. But the scripture passage says that Jesus is there facing the woman one-on-one, -on -one, face to face. No one else is there, seeing her as a person. And he says, there's no one here to condemn you. I'm not here to condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Jesus has that personal encounter, the one-on-one -on -one encounter with her. He doesn't deny her sin. He calls her to a conversion, but what else he does not do is he does not reduce her to her sin. Here specifically to that one act. And when we choose to shame others, when we choose to destroy reputations publicly, what we're doing is besides destroying the dignity of the human person, not seeing them as an individual as Jesus does, but we are also imprisoning them in that one specific instant. You are reduced to this sin. You are reduced to this tweet. You are reduced to this article you wrote 20 or 30 years ago, and I'm not letting you out of that prison. And as a result, I'm going to destroy you and set you up for shame. Jesus doesn't do this, nor should Christians do this. We know that we are sinners and others are sinners, but we believe in the possibility of conversion. We believe in the possibility of change and repentance. That's why we spend all of this time in Lent, because we believe that we are more than our sinful behavior. But the sad fact is, so many people today struggle with shame. They don't need a society or a culture or these virtue signalers on Twitter to be bringing more shame upon them. 
It is an epidemic, the people who live and are crippled by shame. You've heard me talk about Brene Brown before, the sociologist author of so many books and given talks on shame. To make that distinction, guilt is sorrow for what we've done. It's important. But shame is a sadness of sorrow for who we are. It destroys lives. And people become crippled by it, believing that they are unloved or unlovable as a result of things they've done or even more things that have been done to them, particularly certain forms of neglect and abuse. So you can imagine that this woman quite possibly was already enduring tremendous shame. Then all of a sudden you have what? Piling it on even more. The culture and these men making her out to be this evil demon, but Jesus sees something different. He gives her that experience of mercy of seeing into her soul that one-on-one -on -one encounter. And this is what brings about, we can imagine, her deeper conversion. We've all experienced it in some way, shape, or form. When we're feeling shame, we're worried about the whole world knowing it, but we come to encounter someone who sees beyond that and is willing to love us and show us mercy for who we are. And I honestly believe, for my own experience, my experience as a priest, that this one-on-one -on -one encounter is the greatest testament to Christ's power and his divinity. And a lot of the times we think, well, if God is out there, he knows all things. Humble them to show them that they are sinners as an expression of his uh, divinity and their dependence on him. But from the Christian perspective, it's exactly the opposite. Jesus and the Father and the Spirit are not interested in that. In fact, they're interested in bringing the mercy to the person as an individual. And I've experienced and seen it in so many encounters over now, about 20 years as a priest, in the confessional. I really honestly believe uh, the way that we experience the confessional and the sacrament of penance, if we really open ourselves up to it, is a way that we can experience what we hear in today's gospel. That personal encounter with Jesus, that personal encounter with his mercy that can and does transform lives. We are not interested as a church founded by Christ in publicly shaming anyone. I'm not going to make you come up here in the pulpit and tell everybody all the horrible things you've done. Nobody would come to Mass if that was the case, or maybe they would come to Mass to hear what people would say, but then again, it goes back to the old homily that we shouldn't be publicly shaming people at all. But it's one-on-one. -on -one. You go in the privacy of the confessional where you encounter not the priest, but Christ acting through the priest. You have the seal of confession so that no matter what is said, it's never going to be leaked out, not even the smallest sin. Your sin is never going to be exposed to others. And then there is that deeper call to conversion. That when you leave, the resolution not to sin again. Everything about the confessional should push away shame and bring about an experience of God's mercy. I've seen a lot of people have really deep conversions and come to believe in Christ and his divinity and his power 
primarily through the experience of his mercy in the sacrament of confession. And so as we approach the Holy Week, I think one of the great ways, if we haven't done it yet, to be able to really enter into the mystery of Christ's passion, death, and resurrection, to be able to experience an answer to the question of why do I believe in Jesus is to come and have that experience of his mercy, not being put up to public shame, not being ridiculed, but in the sacrament of confession, one-on-one, to bring our sin, to bring our guilt, to put it at the feet of Jesus, and to hear those words that we are absolved from our sin. That's really what confession is about. Not just about mercy, not just about forgiveness, but that one-on-one personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And through that powerful encounter, coming to know and understand his true divinity and love for us. Amen. And love for us.